Over the next several weeks, we're going to spend our time together focused on stories. God's story is found in the Bible and our story found in God's story. A natural question you might ask is, why should we approach Scripture with a desire to understand it as a story that has been unfolding for thousands of years? And the simple answer to that question is, we should approach Scripture this way so we can know who God is. And we should engage God's story because knowing and understanding who God is, knowing and understanding God's very nature, is the beginning point of obedience. Too often we approach Scripture searching for the what and the how. We open up the Word looking for what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to do it. And it's important that we know what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to do it. But God, throughout history, has called on His people to first focus on the why of obedience. The why of obedience should always precede the what and the how of obedience. And the why of obedience is rooted in the very nature of God. And his nature is revealed in his story as we see him act for and with his image bearers. Act for and with men and women over thousands of years. So why do we obey? We obey because of who God is and because of what he has done and because of what he is doing. And we want to know his story because we, the baptized disciples of Jesus Christ, are actually enrolled in God's story. We want to know his story because it is our story. And as we'll see today in the creation story, that is just the way God always intended for things to be. His story and our story were always intended to be the same story. One of the problems that I have with focusing on this part of God's story, focusing on the creation story, is I know what's coming next. So when I read about the trees in the middle of the garden, I'm thinking about events to come. When I read about the lack of shame in the garden, I'm thinking about the events to come. Maybe you have some of those same tendencies. So what I'm going to ask you to do with me today is focus on the creation story. Just the creation story. As if you're hearing it for the very first time. And let's see together the world as God always intended for it to be. And I'm going to ask you to do something else. Just listen. Don't try and read along. Just listen as I read God's creation story from Genesis chapters 1 and 2, which for the sake of time I'll be reading in somewhat condensed form. The creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above. And it was so. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. 
So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you surely will die. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So what do we learn about our God from the creation story? Well, here is his story as told by creation. The first thing we learn is that God is creative. That is who he is. He is a creator. He took what is described as formless and empty, and he made it good. Now, I'm not sure what formless and empty looks like. Maybe the Hubble pictures that we're seeing from deep space, like the one in the background of these PowerPoint slides, maybe those pictures give us some clue. I'm not really sure, but I am sure that our creative God made this amazing earth in all of its wonder and complexity out of unformed and random matter. See, our God isn't content with formless and void. He makes it into much more. Our God is creative. We also learn that our God is relational. He made men and women like him. He made them in his image. He made them to possess his nature so he could know them and so he could be known by them. Adam and Eve were made like him so he could relate to them in a way he couldn't relate to anything else in his creation. Men and women were created as God's representatives to the rest of creation. They were created to work with God for the benefit of the rest of creation. Our God desires a relationship with his image bearers. He is relational. And our God is loving. We see this clearly in God's concern for Adam. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so God, 
out of love took not good, being alone, and made it good by creating Eve as a companion and helper for Adam. God's relationship with Adam was a loving relationship where God worked to provide what was good for Adam. See, our God doesn't just desire a relationship with his image bearers. He desires a loving relationship with men and women. Our God is loving. And we see in the creation story that God is also generous. He gave Adam and Eve Eden. He gave the garden And the garden had beauty and the garden had food that was delicious. And he gave Adam and Eve the gift of freedom to enjoy all of the good stuff in the garden. It was all theirs to enjoy. It was all there for their pleasure. See, our God doesn't just give. He gives abundantly. And he doesn't just give to sustain. He gives to bring pleasure. He gives us the pleasure of seeing beautiful things and the pleasure of tasting delicious food and the pleasure of smelling wonderful aromas and hearing beautiful sounds. And I can only think of one reason why he created in that way. Because our pleasure pleases him. Because our enjoyment brings him joy. And so our God gives good gifts to his image bearers. He is generous. And finally, we learn that our God is protective. For not only did God give Adam and Eve the gift of freedom to enjoy the wonders of the garden, he also gave them boundaries to protect the good lives he had given them. God said to them, enjoy all of it. Enjoy every bit of the garden except for one tree because that tree brings death. God wants what is best for men and women and he provides the boundaries necessary to protect them from bringing harm upon themselves and upon others. Our God wants what's best for men and women, so he provides boundaries. Our God is protective. And we not only learn about God in the creation story, we also learn about ourselves in the creation story, for our story is also told by creation. Adam's story is our story. Eve's story is our story. And in their stories, we see ourselves We see the lives of men and women the way God always intended for them to be. And the key to life as God intended for it to be is found in our identity. The key is found in who God created us to be. Adam and Eve were created in God's image and so are we. We are made to be like him. God created us to also be creative and relational and loving and generous and protective. He created us to bear his creative image and his relational image. And he created us to have his loving image and his generous image. And he created us to have his protective image. That's our family resemblance. We were created to look like our creator. His image is our image. And God intended for us to bear that image in Eden. He intended for us to lead creative, relational, loving, generous, and protective lives in paradise. I don't know what your image of paradise looks like, but the creation story gives us God's image of paradise for mankind. And we should understand that God's intention and desire from the very beginning was for men and women to always exist in paradise. And we need to recognize that God's intentions and desires haven't changed. God still wants us, you and me to live in paradise. And not surprisingly, 
We find in the creation story that God's image of paradise is loving and generous. We see in the creation story that paradise is exactly what is best for men and women. And what is best for us begins in and is centered on a relationship with God. That's the beginning point of paradise. A relationship with the creator himself. That's the central characteristic of paradise. A relationship between our relational God and us. You and me. The people he created as relational beings in his own image. We learn from the creation story that God always intended for mankind's relationship with him to be the focus of our paradise. Paradise begins with a relationship with God, but it doesn't end there. We also learn from the creation story that paradise also includes relationships with God's other image bearers. It includes relationship with other people. It is not good that we are alone. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that being single prevents you from having the life that God intended for you to have. But I do believe that living in isolation from other people was never God's intention. Part of the life that God intends for us comes only through the pleasures of relationship. Only through the joy of friendships. Only through the blessings that come from loving and being loved. So we learn from the creation story that other people were always intended to be part of our paradise. But paradise doesn't end with those relationships either. It also includes our relationship to the rest of God's creation. And we learn from the creation story that paradise includes the freedom God has given us to enjoy the rest of his good creation. This world was meant to be enjoyed This life was meant to be lived with joy as we embrace the freedoms and the boundaries God has given us. In God's creation, there are good things to taste and good things to smell and good things to touch and good things to see and good things to hear. And God always intended for us to enjoy those good things that he created. So we learn from the creation story that enjoying God's good creation was always intended to be part of our paradise. But there is another aspect to our relationship with the rest of God's creation. And we learn from the creation story that paradise includes the responsibility to take care of the rest of God's good creation. Like Adam and Eve, we are to work at protecting and sustaining and nurturing the good that God has created. Mankind was not created in isolation from the rest of creation. And we don't exist now in isolation from the rest of creation. Creation was created for us. But we also learn that we were created for it. To help God take care of what is his. Paradise was always intended to include meaningful work. Taking care of what was created by and belongs to God. We are to function as God's representatives, as his co-regents caring for his good creation. So we learn from the creation story that working responsibly to take care of the rest of creation was always intended to be part of our paradise. That is how God intended for his created image to live. We all know that doesn't really describe the world in which we do live. And we can either spend our time lamenting the fact that we were meant to live in paradise and instead we live in a world that falls far short of paradise. 
Or we can do something about the situation in which we find ourselves. Last week, we introduced the concept of moving God's story forward. We enlisted in God's story, and when we enlisted in his story, we weren't enrolled as passive observers to his story, but as active participants in his story who should be working to move God's story forward a step closer to its beginning point, a step forward to what it was, and a step forward to what it will be again, a step forward to paradise. So let's end our time today talking about how we, as active participants in God's story, can move his story forward. And I'm going to first suggest that we can all move God's story forward by each working to recapture God's image in our lives. We can move his story forward by becoming more like he always intended for us to be. And one of the ways I believe we can become more like he intended for us to be is by making sure our lives are creative. We all need to be making something. We need to be forming things out of the formless. What those things might be for you, I don't really know, but I do know what some of you are already doing. Some of you are sewing and others are quilting. Some are baking and others are painting and writing. Some are composing while others are gardening and canning. Some of you are making jewelry and sculpting while others of you play instruments, and I could go on and on. But I want you to know that all of those and many more pursuits are creative pursuits which move God's story forward because creativity helps us recapture God's image in our own lives. And we can also move his story forward by being truly relational, by nurturing our existing relationships and forming new and God-honoring relationships. And we can move his story forward by being loving people, by being people who provide for others what is the very best for them. And we can move his story forward by being truly generous, by giving others the freedom to enjoy the fruits of God's good creation, while also moving his story forward by being compassionately protective of each other, by clearly identifying God's boundaries that have been put in place to keep people from harming themselves and harming others. And I also believe we can move God's story forward by all working to recapture some of Eden, by all working to move God's story closer to paradise. And I believe that requires us all to deepen and strengthen our relationships with God. And we can do that through his story. We can do that through his word. And we can do that through conversation with him in prayer and through heartfelt worship where we acknowledge who he is and what he has done for us and acknowledge what he is doing for us and acknowledge what he is going to do for us. And we can recapture some of paradise by deepening and strengthening our relationships with each other. And let me say that the place to begin deepening and strengthening relationships is with the flesh of our flesh and the bone of our bones. We need to begin with our families. So we as God's people will move God's story forward by loving our husbands and loving our wives. We'll move God's story forward by loving our children and loving our parents. And we will love them in exactly the same way that God loves us. And we can also begin to recapture some of paradise by reconnecting with and by enjoying God's good creation. You know, I'm convinced that a large part of the reason why so many people feel disconnected from God is that they are disconnected from His creation. 
They're disconnected from his natural creation, the natural creation that's best experienced outdoors. Many people feel disconnected because they don't see the stars in a country sky, and they don't hear the birds singing. They don't hear the elk bugling or the wind through aspen trees. They don't see seeds sprouting, and they don't see the leaves turning. We weren't created in isolation from the rest of creation, and we need to stop living as if we now exist and live in isolation from God's good creation. We all need to seek out opportunities to get outside and reconnect with and enjoy his creation. Well, we can also recapture some of Eden by not only reconnecting with God's creation, but by also taking seriously our responsibility for his creation. I'm afraid that we've often adopted Genesis chapter 1 language about ruling over and subduing creation. At the same time, we've ignored the chapter 2 language about taking care of God's creation. So we need to start taking seriously the fact that we were created to take care of our Father's creation, all of God's creation. It's ours to enjoy, but it's also ours to protect. We need to protect it for our Father's pleasure. And we need to protect it for our children and for our children's children. So I want to ask everybody here this morning to commit to moving God's story forward. And by doing that, begin recapturing the lives God intended for us to lead and to recapture the world he intended for us to enjoy. Let's recapture God's image in our lives by being the creative, relational, loving generous and protective people he created us to be. And let's recapture Eden by strengthening our relationship with God and by strengthening our relationships with other people and our relationship with the rest of God's good creation for which we are responsible. And there is one final part of paradise that we haven't mentioned yet. And it appears at the very close of the creation story where we're told that Adam and Eve felt no shame I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like an essential part of paradise. Life without shame and life without guilt. So I want to leave you with a question that we'll answer next week. Is it possible for us to live like Adam and Eve, to live without shame? And I'll go ahead and tip my hand. I believe it is possible for us to live without shame. And next week, as we move in God's story from paradise to the story of how we ended up in this messed up world we live in now, we'll also look forward to a different story. We'll look forward to the Jesus story, a story that shows God once more moving his story powerfully ahead to its beginning where his people can live once more without guilt or shame. So I hope you'll join us next week as we see darkness descend on paradise. We'll see darkness descend on paradise in his story, which is our story. And as always, if you are here this morning and we can help you in any way, we would love to do that. Won't you let us know how we can help while we stand and sing?